Welcome. This is According to Callus. That's me. Hey, it is Friday. And this is your Five for Friday on September the 10th, 2021. And this would be episode 123. And just because I feel like patting myself slightly on the back, not that it's a major accomplishment, but I have now broke two thousand downloads yay me all right on to the program on the five for friday number one tyranny took a few steps forward yes this week the federal government under resident joe decided to expand their authority even further than one thought they could get away with and yet they did and yet nearly every state was silent We have sovereign states. They could laugh. They could tell them to go pound sand. They could even file a lawsuit. But alas, as of my recording, to my knowledge, none of this has actually occurred. Now, granted, it's only been about 24 hours. So being that it is one government going after another government, I guess we ought to give them another 30 days to figure it out. But I'm just... I'm just guessing here. Uh, Number two, purging the ranks continues. Well, what exactly do you mean, Stephen? Well, you know, it used to be, I mean, somewhat traditional that if you were a top general admiral, you know, one of these flag officers, or perhaps you were uh, in an upper level of cabinet or, uh, you know, some other important thing, you would maybe put in your resignation and the president, the new president could choose to keep you or not uh that kind of got thrown out when clinton came in and fired most of the doj and then it got further tossed out when uh the big o came in and tossed out all the military people out and you know lumber hit him trump did try and refill the ranks with good people or at least people he were he was told were good people the jury's still out on that one based upon uh, What's come out of SCOTUS would seem that they filled him full of, uh, well, horse manure. Nevertheless, they are still purging. How dare you speak out against this? How dare you question this? How dare you, well, I don't know, take a phone call from somebody? How dare you protest? Yet, just a little over five or six years ago, we were being told that it was your duty and it's an honor to be a protester and to contradict what your government's putting out there. Times have changed. You know, but this should be no surprise. When communists take control, when socialists take control, when national socialists take control, when a revolution's successful, they go about purging the ranks. They go about silencing those that would question them. They go about crushing dissent. While dissent is celebrated when they're out of power, when they're in power, dissent gets put under the boot heel. And sadly, the quote-unquote conservatives, the Republicans, go along with this most of the time. They refuse to back their own constituents. They refuse to stand for anything. The only thing they seem very concerned about is keeping that seat. That may be going to those cocktail parties. Oh, so let's go to number three. 
The question is, what about Cuba? Yes, some of you may remember a few months ago, and honestly, my memory is quite foggy on this as well, but it seems to me very early on in the summer, there was a little bit of an uprising, a little bit of a disturbance down in Cuba. It seems those folks down there were kind of tired of the regime brought about by Castro. Now you got to ask yourself, if you're truly a democratic society, if you're truly a democratic socialist society, how is it that you can't ever replace the person on top? Oh, I know, we're going to hear how they haven't really tried socialism. They haven't tried real communism. But the reality is it never really gets there because once the tyrant gets in place, they don't let go until they die. Yet that seems to get lost and we get to repeat this over and over and over again. Whether you're in Vietnam, North Korea, or any other numbered failed states to the south of us, just realize that socialism never works. Now, hey, look, I'll be the first to admit the mercantilistic fascist system that's currently running our country has its problems and they are manifold and many. And with the um, banking hegemony, the uh, central banking uh, sleight of hands and the gift of the Federal Reserve in their fractional reserve system, we'll all be bankrupt at some point. But until we get there, it's going to be a fun ride down. Because at least we can go buy toilet paper. At least we can still go out to a restaurant. But if you're in a place like Venezuela, that might choose to be a, a difficult adventure. I'm not really sure why you would choose that. But hey, you know, to each his own. We respect individual autonomy, contrary to what we hear all the time. But, again, what happened in Cuba? Where did all those dissidents go? We know they didn't come here because the first thing our government said, the first thing President Biden said is, hey, we don't want you people here. Now, millions of other of you that come up through Central and South America, you can come here because you're good little socialists. Because you're sweeping in all those other people that we don't know who they are because they're labeled OTM. But you, you Cubans who've had enough, you Cubans that want to escape this socialist boot across your neck, you're not allowed to come here. As a matter of fact, if you should get here in or contravention of all the policy that we've had since the 60s, we're going to turn you around. We're not going to let you here at all. We're going to force you to go back. You will be granted no asylum. You are not allowed to come. Now, how does that work? Now, the interesting thing is there are some folks that are, let's say, a little more ethno-nationalist than I am. And they're kind of a little on edge about having a bunch of brown people come here. And... and I'm aware of this, but I'm less concerned about it by a large measure than they are, particularly when those folks are fleeing from socialism and they see the dangers of it and they want to come here and alert other people. Hey, you know, this is not a good idea. Perhaps you shouldn't do this. But 
That is perhaps also why I am not in any position of authority that matters. That's, of course, perhaps why nobody that thinks our way is in any position of authority. And they just have not found out a way to get rid of Rand Paul yet or Thomas Massey. God bless Kentucky. But I digress. In Cuba, they had a chance. But apparently, the uh, same CIA that was taking part in and instigating and encouraging the color revolutions in the Middle East did not want for that to happen 90 miles off the coast of Florida. One wonders why that might have been. Of course, it could be that they were still ashamed of the debacle that they were bringing about in Afghanistan, but inquiry minds may want to know, but will likely never know. And you got to ask yourself, just why might that be? Number four, Texas needs to lead. Yes, well, we see this abuse. We see the uh, little tyrants becoming bigger tyrants. And Texas has the ability to lead, the opportunity to lead, and yet we don't. We could take the bull by the horns, metaphorically speaking, and tell the feds, go pound sand. You don't have that authority here. The Constitution didn't grant it to you. We, the sovereign state, didn't grant it to you. Therefore, take your federal laws, which should not exist and are blatantly unconstitutional, and take them and stick them where the sun don't shine. And that includes any of those alphabet soup agencies that you've created in the last 150 years, and you can keep them in the swamp where they belong. But, of course, that would require that Texas would lead. That would require that mm, some of the leadership in Texas would do that. Now, I can assure you, in in my opinion here, but I can assure you there are a lot of people in Oklahoma, perhaps Arkansas, maybe even Louisiana, certainly South Dakota, and God bless them, Florida, that would love to join on and tell The feds go pound sand and follow Texas's lead. Indeed, the entire American readout, which in case you haven't been listening, is um, Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, and the eastern portions of Oregon and Washington states. They would love nothing more than to have some help telling the feds to go pound sand. Unfortunately for them, those particular locales are under continuous assault of the exportation of Californians. And it may come about at some point in the future that the Californians who are coming to escape California will bring them down to the level of California. However, one would only hope that they could make it as hostile as possible. And how do you do that? Well, that's a good question, dear listener. How do you make a Californian uncomfortable? Well, for starters, you wear firearms on your hip, on your shoulder, everywhere and anywhere you go. Oh, and then you praise God and you say, God bless you. And you throw up another Chick-fil-A apparently. Well, maybe not really, but it sounds good. And oh, and you rub in their face that Whataburger is still a better hamburger than that other place that they sent here. And and full disclosure, I got to say, I am kind of fan of that place with the crossed uh, palm trees. But Whataburger's still better. Oh, and I don't know. 
wear your cowboy boots, throw a Stetson on, say ma'am and sir instead of what other chosen pronoun they want to give you, and just be generally respectful and, oh, I don't know, reaffirm gender norms. Perhaps then the little Californians will feel like they're not welcome here and they should take their little California norms back to California where they came from. Now, that may only solve part of the problem. Yes, I understand. And, of course, my tongue is slightly into the side of my cheek at this point because, let's face it, nobody turns down the money that the Californians bring when they come to spend it here. And all those corporations that are relocating because, oh, taxes got too high, they're coming here and importing all their people. And most of those people probably don't even want to leave California, but they're going to follow their job for the same reason that our Government leadership sells us out every day so they can get another business, so they can have another place to gain revenue. So everybody wins except for you, the Texans. So as a Texan or a Tejano, I would highly encourage you, greet them with a pistol on your hip, a cowboy hat on, and greeting them with the ma'am and sir and Jesus loves you. And perhaps... Just perhaps they'll feel uncomfortable enough that they'll go back from whence they came. Now, unfortunately, I can't tell you how to get rid of Yankees. Well, being that I am one, not really. I'm from the Midwest, and we're clearly not Yankees. They emanate from New York, maybe a lesser extent Maine, Vermont, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania. But anybody north of the Red River I hear on... Uh, more than one occasion, is considered a Yankee. Well, this here Yankee came here to become a Texan, or a Texian, if you prefer, and support what Texians want, because we think alike in this way. We ought to be the sovereign state that we are. We ought to lead the other states. We ought to be a great example to the other states and how we might roll back the government abuse the tyranny out of dc but that leads me into number five texas needs leadership that's right we have been for the last oh i don't know 25 30 years here dutifully sending guys with r's after their name down to austin to represent the state at a nearly two to one ratio and yet It only took 10 years to get permitless carry. It only took 10 years to get something akin to a heartbeat bill. It only took 10 years to get to recognize any number of one of these uh, pre-existing God-given rights. And one would, I don't know, suspect the only reason that came about is because the current governor is concerned about keeping his job. The other guy that ought to be awfully nervous right about now is Lieutenant Dan. Now, we get a new speaker every term or two, and from what I'm told, the current speaker was not awesome, but he was certainly much better than the previous two. Now, I'm not sure that's a ringing endorsement. That's kind of like saying, well, he's a nice guy. Not exactly a ringing endorsement. Lieutenant Dan, on the other hand, appears to be needing to be led about by fingers up his nose and dragging him around. And well, 
governor <laughs> or governor. <laughs> you know, it's terrible, but my mommy always used to tell me, if you don't have anything nice to say, you shouldn't say anything at all. So I guess that's just how I'll leave it, <laughs> governor. But really, we have a great opportunity here. You know, we have three other candidates running in the primary to replace Abbott. And then Costello, or a.k.a. Lieutenant Dan, he could very easily be replaced. If only we could find a good, competent candidate, somebody that had some name recognition, somebody that a large number of people already know and would support, somebody that could potentially raise some money. Now, I've thrown in my suggestion for this. Daniel Miller. Someone, please get a hold of Daniel Miller. We're paging Daniel Miller. Please run against Lieutenant Dan. I'll tell you right now. Now, of course, uh, I shouldn't say this without first consulting with my better half, a.k.a. my wife. But I'll pony up a hundred bucks right off the bat. Now, I just need a few hundred more people to pony up a hundred bucks. And let's get Daniel Miller to run against Lieutenant Dan. Oh, man. We could sell a pay-per-view for that debate and offset all the costs of that race. That would be awesome. It would be nice to have, I don't know, somebody that's in charge of the Texas Senate that actually knew what the Texas State Constitution read like and what was in there. Hmm. I don't know. Well, we're on the subject. At least one of the guys running for governor is very fond of the Texas Constitution as well as the U.S. Constitution. As a matter of fact, he makes a point of carrying them around when he's on the campaign trail and when he was in session. That would be none other than Mr. Don Huffines, who, of course, is my preferred candidate for governor. However, I must first defer to ABA. Anybody but Abbott. So, hey, listen. We have options. We can get more options. But we have to encourage these people. As much as we want leadership, we have to demand leadership. We have to support leadership and we have to encourage that leadership because nobody wants to get out front and lead and find out they have nobody behind them. Nobody wants to take that giant leap and risk, put all that time, money, and effort into their race only to find out they had no support. So in this case, we already have my preferred choice, who's already put that all to bed for governor, Mr. Don Huffines. And in addition to that, I'm calling for, and several other organizations are calling for Daniel Miller to please agree to be drafted to run for a lieutenant governor. We can and should do better than Lieutenant Dan. Now, that brings us down to those local races, right? So... Now, let me just take a minute and put a little plug in here. As you may remember, back in June, starting, I think, on the 21st through the 25th, I did a five-part series on something called the Five Star Plan. That was written by a fellow by the name of Mr. Robert West. Now, for those of you who don't know, he did a guerrilla campaign, in my opinion, but it was a campaign to run for the U.S. House. And there was several other people in that same race. And they won around, they campaigned, they, you know, they beat the drum of why they're the best candidate. And over the course of this, Mr. West then 
completed that race and lost to Mr. Pat Fallon, which, well, that's another story altogether. Um, but nevertheless, he created the five-star plan. And you ask, well, why does that matter, Stephen? Well, the five-star plan goes out, seeks those who would be good leaders, encourages them, works with them, brings them on board with a an extra platform, with access to some support, with access to a network of people that care about these things. And they're pretty minimal requirements that you agree to. And they will work with you to help you do your work to run for office. Now, I'm just going to speculate that if you were to consider running for office and then you look and see, well, I've got to pony up almost $1,000 just to run. Then I'm going to need anywhere from twenty dollars to $100,000 to actually run for office, depending on what that office is. Well, that could be a bit overwhelming. But here's the best part. These guys are going to help you. Now, I don't know what help they're going to be able to offer if you need a half a million dollars, but they're going to maybe plug you into some people. They're going to plug you into those activists. They're going to endorse you. They're going to make it worth your effort to communicate with them. And why are they doing this? Because they recognize the value of leadership. Because they recognize the value of having good leaders in a position to make a change and make a difference. They see the feckless leadership that we get in Austin. They see the terrible leadership we get in D.C. And they've observed, my word, the pusillanimous governor that we have. And they know we can do better. They have a whole action plan written out that you can adopt and use it as a basis. And while we're on the subject of using things to help you communicate what would be a better way to go forward, I've come across another book. It's called 444. It's written by a lady named Renee Holiday. Now, I have not read this book yet. I have heard a little bit about it. The uh, lady's non-de-plume, if you will, on the radio is Lady Liberty. And she fills in with her uh, co-host on Radio Free Redoubt. And they have taken this book and created a plan. It's a solution that's biblical, constitutional, strategic, and does not require Trump to be the central leading figure. Now you ask, well, why does that matter? Well, friends, whenever you're reliant on one person to be your leader, you're one step away, well, maybe two steps away, from ending up with yet another tyrant in a long line of tyrants. Now, you can love Trump all you want, but he's still Trump. He's just one guy. And in many cases, he's a kind of a figurehead, right? There's a whole slew of people that work underneath him, work for him. Unfortunately, when he was in office, many of them worked against him. But you should not be dependent on any one person. So I encourage you, go find that. Look it up online. A couple of you buy the book. Let me know how you like it. I'm going to buy it today. And I'm going to spend a couple of weeks. I've got a few more books i got to finish reading before I can jump into it. I am very curious to see how we can adapt that and maybe partner it with the five-star plan that's already rolling out all over Texas. There are so many things and so many opportunities that we can and should be taking advantage on this time period. We have roughly one year... Before the primary election. 
may only be 11 months, but come on, go with me here. We've got nearly a year that we can get activated, we can get organized, and we can make a difference. All we have to do to make a statement is effectively replace two or three of these candidates that are long-term elected officials that don't deliver. Long-term elected officials that just don't listen to their constituents. Long-term elected officials that already have a retirement plan and they need to be put to pasture. This is where it comes down to brass tacks. We... We the constitutionalists, we the Christians, we the people have to put up or shut up. This is your call to action. This is the five from Friday. Go forth, make a difference. This is According to Callus, and I will see you on the other side.